Welcome to This Week in Common Sense, starring Paul Jacob. My name is Timothy Verkula, and I'm here to help Paul run through the big stories of the week. The stories that have appeared at Common Sense with Paul Jacob, which you can find on Facebook at This Is Common Sense or on thisiscommonsense.org. That's www.thisiscommonsense.org if you need those three W's. You don't need those three W's. So here we are, August 26th, the last Friday in August, 2022. And Paul is on the road again. And where are we today? Where are you vaguely? Which state are you in? And you can answer that in the two most obvious ways. Which state are you in? Is it the United States of America? Or what's your condition? <laughs> well, I am in Arkansas, which is sort of where I grew up. I lived a little bit in New Jersey when I was left when I was eight and so I came of age in Arkansas, and we're here visiting family and friends and so on. And um, I'm trying to work, but have fun in the evenings and so on. And and that kind of works, kind <laughs> of doesn't work, but but it's all it's all good. Very good. So you're in Utopia, and you're in the dark, but you have lights on outside. You're outside, so you're you're just prepared. Just as long as the bats don't get you, you're fine, right? No, and I figured this would be good because that way everybody in the house doesn't have to, you know, be perfectly quiet and, you know, I don't get to control everybody. Uh, and it was kind of comfortable this afternoon out here, but I have to tell you that there's little beads of sweat going down my, or perspiration, as my father would say, uh, you know, going down my neck. So it's a little hot in Arkansas. I guess it's hot all over the country, so... Well, it's not cold here. I'll say that. It's not cold. It's not even cool. It's 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 been warmish with some cool breezes. Anyway, uh most of the recent podcasts you've had a favorite uh thought of the day to share to or to talk about, but do you have one this week? Absolutely not. Okay, so the first time I bring it up, you don't have one. As you were starting to say that, I was thinking, no, I don't, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, let me say that we do have a thought every day, and we have a today in freedom, today in history uh, every day, and go to thisiscommonsense.org, and you can see it without me butting in to give any commentary about it whatsoever. Um, I do have kind of a, a game plan, though, for this week's podcast, and that is I wanted to tackle an issue that's hot right now. We did on Thursday, uh, relief spelled S-U-B-S-I-D-Y. I was second guessing my spelling there, but it's subsidy, and, and I did actually spell it correctly, and on the website, it's even spelled correctly, so... People are going to think about the student loan forgiveness that Biden, what a nice guy, forgave all this student loan money, 10000 if you don't make too much money. Although, you know, it seems to me like if you're, it, I believe it's what, uh, 125000 if you're an individual, if you're a family, uh, as long as you don't make 250000 or more, you get this debt forgiveness. It just strikes her that maybe, uh, maybe, other people shouldn't be paying your loan. Uh, and of course, they really shouldn't be anyway, because that's what responsibility is about. If you take out a loan, you got to pay it back. And and this we, we haven't even gotten to this piece yet, but we have talked about this before, that 
I would be somewhat willing to entertain any of the discussion about forgiveness once there's some acknowledgement by these politicians and education, educrats, uh, education folks, that they've hoodwinked people, they've defrauded people, they have oversold, and boy, that's putting it mildly, the benefits of, of a college education, because apparently taking out loans to get a college education is not cost effective, or people wouldn't be complaining and, and saying they need to be bailed out. And, uh, and, and the reason that I think it's worth entertaining if there's that sort of omission, admission is because then we can restructure the system. If we're going to bail people out and continue to prattle on about, oh, my goodness, you're always going to be better off spending any amount of money to go to college. Uh, it's a problem. And I think I think if people start to realize, okay, people in high places now acknowledge they oversold this, they sort of hoodwinked us, might also lead to things like maybe majoring in, you know, gender studies is not the, you know, of course, who knows in the future that may be the most lucrative major, but I don't think so. And I don't think it should be. And these sorts of majors, and, and again, do what you want to do. I wouldn't tell anybody not to major in whatever they want to if they're going to foot the bill and be responsible for what they do and what they borrow. But if they're not, and once we have an admission that we have people in high places who will feed young people a line of bull, and then let them go hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt without any sort of education that will produce an income to pay that back, then we can kind of look at these things differently. However, as you well know, Tim, we focused in this piece on something else a little bit, and that is that this isn't a subsidy for students who overborrowed. This is a subsidy for the Democrats. This is Joe Biden saying, what else could we use in this election system? I mean, we're we're only uh, days away from Labor Day and the, the home stretch of the 2022 campaign. And we have someone in the White House who I don't think has the legal authority to do it, but that that increasingly doesn't matter. But it's just ugly. It's ugly. We have a president of the United States handing out $10,000 checks to people. Uh, and if you think that they haven't calculated what the benefit politically of this will be, you are crazy because they don't do anything without first calculating that benefit. And that really is the driving point. This is politics. This is not good policy. Uh, you go on to make other points. One of the things that I've learned after actually after this was published was that the banks are no longer involved really that is most of the debt has been taken by the federal government so in a sense the federal government could uh you know cancel any debt it wanted to without hurting any private equity person what they're hurting of course would be the taxpayers and everybody who's <clears throat> affected by inflation which would include a lot of poor people but aside from that, that's a lot of money. It's it was a lot of there was several billions here. It was it was not just two or three billions. It was over two hundred billion. Is right. What they estimate this subsidy to cost. 
and I'm not thinking of the inflation, which of course that is an impact that will, you know, that people will feel. But that that money is supposed to go to the treasury. And if it doesn't go to the treasury, then it's borrowed or it's taxed from somebody else. And and so you do have, you know, people who go to college tend to be more wealthy than people who don't go to college. And so you're in essence saying, hey, if any if any wealthy person ever makes a miscalculation, we'll just have the whole society, including poor people, bail them out. But this fact, I, I talked to a number of people about this issue this week. And again and again, they didn't seem to get it that several years ago, I believe it was at the end of the Obama administration, the federal government took over all the loans. The federal government, there's no private loans. I mean, you could go get one if you wanted to pay a, a more sizable interest rate and so on. Um, but but the federal government is in control of these loans. And so it's it, it's the sort of thing where what they tell people who are going to school and who are thinking about these loans is, you know, the, this is a transaction. And if you lie to those people, uh, that seems to me to be fraud. And I do think there's a level of fraud that has taken place in the student loan stuff. And I and as much as I think people have to bear responsibility for their own decisions, I've got a lot of sympathy for people who were trying to get ahead and took a risk and took on more debt than they should have taken on. And I do think that, you know, when when you have a society that is structured to reinforce that absolutely you'd be crazy not to go into debt to get some degree. Um, you know, it's a, it's a problem and it's a problem that is not nothing. This is a, almost all the debate here is these people need it. They should get the help. Uh, we like to help people. So since it's other people's money, we like to help people all day and night and, and 17 times a second because it doesn't cost us anything. And that's that's one side of it. And the other side is saying, wait a second, I'm getting screwed over in this deal. I mean, so many people who maybe said, I don't have the money to go to school, so I'm going to have to get a job and work a little harder to get ahead in life. Is it really right for them now to have to pay for somebody else who made the different decision and uh, and has this college degree? And now it's it's ten thousand dollars cheaper to get that college degree. Um, so there's. There's all this kind of one side versus the other side. But I think the way to to realize uh, the most important thing to to realize about this is. If you're looking at the sides, the side that is making out like bandits are the politicians because they're giving away the goodies. They didn't make any of this money. This is all our money they're giving away. They're taking the credit for giving one person somebody else's money and they'll do that all night and day in fact they do do that all night and day it's called the federal government part of the scam here and when you said fraud that you know that raised some flags and i think that it's close because part of the scam with you know pitching college is something everybody should do was the result of the thing that we've heard i mean even thomas soul well, thomas soul often said how how much more money people who went to college made than people who didn't as a general rule however <laughs> the fact that the people who go to college you know tend to go to college are also very industrious and they have a lot of 
they have a lot of community backing, family backing. They're usually, I mean, they're usually kind of likely to get ahead no matter what they did. And so going to college may not have been the thing that tips them over into success. In fact, it may be just an expression of what would tip them to success. Is it causation or is it correlation? Right. It's just correlated with people who make more money. And I think it's a little bit of both. But but it's almost always talked about as a magic elixir that just take another couple swigs swigs of uh, you know our snake oil uh, education and 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 I think some people, especially people who you know have a different view of of all of this, well what are you talking about education like it's a bad thing like it's snake oil, well because people who took the swigs are now complaining that they have a heck of a pain in the gut. And so it, it's not me. I didn't take out loans I couldn't pay back. I'm not complaining. It's people who went through the education system and come out the other end and say, no, I wasn't helped. And, and if you want to take credit for the people who are helped, you have to be responsible for the people who aren't helped too. And yeah, you have to be honest about it. College is not for everybody. The point you made before and other pieces, I'm pretty sure, maybe you'll correct me if you've never made this point, but I'm pretty sure the <laughs> point you made is, is that really we don't want to do anything like, you know, absolve these people of their loans if the colleges don't take some responsibility for, for what's gone on. Because the colleges have made out like bandits. The prices of everything have gone up. And the administrate the ranks of the administrators of uh, uh, the numbers of administrators yes. in colleges have increased immensely, and also so have programs that don't actually succeed. So there's been a lot of women's studies, race studies, you know, basically yes, woke uh, woke communism studies is basically what it is. It's gotten worse because of government, and I don't think that any of this is going to help people understand. Though I would think that those of us who are criticizing it might make that point more often that. And I'm like you started out that talking about that. I mean, you started yes. today, tonight. Yes. You, you said yes. basically that they're the ones that need to, you know, fess up that they've ruined the system, and it's the money that's ruined the system. It's adding marginal students. I mean, that's one of the concepts here is that the marginal productivity of a college degree goes down the the lower the quality of the student, and it doesn't mean that they're less they're less better as people. Quality in other ways. Academics is not for everyone, and in fact, uh, the one of the big problems that people get confused by in college in appraising college education is that so many of the degrees in college are to qualify to teach in college so it's it's really close to being a ponzi scheme is that you go to college to teach in college well that's not really a socially productive thing unless we get something out of the deal and I mean, there's many things. Someone has to make someone has to make some money sooner or later, yeah. or we're in deep trouble. Right. And if it's all and, subsidized uh, money that they're making, if it's all coming from subsidies of, of some sort, the whole thing has the feel of a crock, of a scam. It's interesting too, in terms of the the colleges and universities seem to have so much more money, and they're building. You know, I, I remember that my short stay at at college. Uh, you know, the, the dorms weren't the nicest place I'd ever stayed. And some of them now, and, and I've had the opportunity over the last 10 years, my middle daughter and, and youngest uh, going through colleges, and I've seen three different colleges. And 
one of them I had seen 10 years ago when I went there to speak and, uh, and, you know, it's just like, my goodness, and they're building everywhere. And all three of these universities, huge new buildings, beautiful. You know, I mean, it, there's no question that there's a bunch of money being spent here. And, and again, I'm not against people spending money, but I really prefer that they spend their own money or money that people voluntarily gave to them. And when it's tax dollars, I think there's some responsibility to say, is this a, a fair use of tax dollars? And, and so you've got the system that we're just we're just pouring money in. I, I remember it, it, it's true, I think, to a, a, a harder degree to tell with K through 12 uh, at in the university. You can just go and you see the cranes and the, and the construction and you see these lavish halls and so on. Um, but even K through 12, I remember a Cato Institute put out a thing years ago and it was just a graph that showed education spending with one line and then it showed test scores with the other line and the test scores was flat often kind of flat you know pushing down and the spending was like a 45 degree angle uh or better going up 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 and uh, i saw something this week about the Chicago public schools, which of course are, have fewer and fewer students. They're up to now spending $28,000 a year per, per pupil. Now, if you really want to help kids, I think maybe you just shut it all down and say for the next so many years, we're going to give each kid $28,000 um, these kids might have invested and be millionaires, billionaires by the time they're 18. I mean, the, the amount of money being spent, I think it almost just washes over people because it's just incongruent. I mean, how how could you spend that much and how could you spend that much and have so little impact for it? So, it, I mean, this is it's a huge problem. And. You know, we hear so many speeches about how education is everybody's track out of poverty. And there's some truth to that, but it's real education. It's education where people are learning about stuff they care about, they want to know about, and that they can use in their daily lives. And when you create these phony places where money just rushes in to do any wild scheme that somebody has... That's not the sort of education that makes poor people richer or richer people still richer. Yeah, well, it would be nice. And this is just one of my tropes or jokes that I've been saying for years. Uh, before you go to college, you should be able to understand and explain diminishing returns and diminishing marginal utility as it applies to your education. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it's it's kind of interesting to see that people have or never... at least at least learn that when you're at college. Well, I, <laughs> it might be too late. It's too late when you sign that that loan <laughs> that says that you can't declare bankruptcy if you can't pay it uh, pay it back. Yeah. If if if, if you basically fail at whatever you're doing, uh, if you're not hitting it big in uh, racial and... studies, then maybe uh, that's not right. The... Well, uh, and look at the why didn't they just say, look, to help people who are in trouble, we're going to change the rules 
And on, on these loans, you can declare bankruptcy. The reason they didn't do that is because their caring isn't so much on these people getting out from under this debt. It's how these people feel about it. If they've got to go declare bankruptcy, they may not credit you for just handing them money without any strings attached. So it doesn't work for Joe Biden. It doesn't work for the Democrats as well. And uh, that's a great point. And maybe I'll cut that out and putting it at the beginning or something. I mean, that's really important because it's all about them getting credit. And uh, now that it's the government that holds most of the debt and it's not the banks, there's yes. no reason by incentives to have that bankruptcy rule. The bankruptcy rule was so that it would protect, protect the creditors, right? Right. Because the banks were taking a very risky loan. So by precluding bankruptcy as a proceeding that the uh, the students take, the banks felt better about making these loans. But now that the banks are basically not real active partners, this whole thing is a lot like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and how they influenced the economy yes. right up to the debacle of 2008. Uh, I mean, it really does seem very similar to me. Um, but But think about it. When people think back to the collapse, the 2008 recession and, and the housing bubble bursting and so on, it's the bankers who were at fault. Very rarely does anybody mention Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae and the fact that the government was deeply involved in making bad loans and, and rolling those into new bad loans and creating this system. And it's not to look any banker who did wrong needs to pay the price, but it's but we forget where the impetus for so much of that came from, and it came from the government, and it came from them thinking if I do these things for people, I'll get the credit. And then of course, when it turns out that they're not so magical in in ordering the economy around, they find other people to blame. Do you remember those uh, ratings agencies that uh, we occasionally talked about? Yes. Uh, the ratings agencies were, you know, were established, I think, during the FDR period, and and they were monopolies, and they were paid by the bank. It was a goofy system, and it was set up to give us the wrong impression about the mortgage market. I mean, it wasn't that wasn't the design, but that's what it turned into. That was the result. That was the result. And kind of this whole argument about how important it is to have a college education serves kind of the same function and there's probably some board that all, all the ratings boards about colleges probably right. does have a similar effect because I, I bet that for a lot of people they should be sticking to community college or, or some low low level college because that's really all most people want is they want to be able to learn to do the thing that they want to do to make some money to pay off the loan that they've taken i mean that's it, really it, what most people who are sane want to do right right and and, and sometimes look in in your career you might say I need the prestige of going to this school or something. But for a lot of jobs, there's no prestige, more prestige or more money being made if you went to this school or that school. And so people, you know, you that's why we have marketplaces and so on. But it's it's interesting you point that out about the rating agencies because I after all of that, I remember I would read articles in the paper where so and so with Moody's said, and I thought why would you quote somebody from Moody's? We already know these people will say almost anything. So it's it's that's the other thing is that it's 
you can tell, and sometimes you can tell this with kids or different people who are young and kind of learning and they'll say, okay, I understand. I know what you mean, but you realize from what they're saying that they don't quite fully get it yet. And that's the way our society (laughs) seems to be running that we see people in power commit all kinds of outrageously stupid or selfish or criminal acts. And we say, oh, that's terrible. And then there are no consequences. And they're right back up at the top of the heap being praised because they're so elite and brilliant. And, oh, they're so learned. I mean, the brilliant people at Moody's who, you know, (laughs) stamped crap bonds as AAA, you know. And so if there's no... If, if it's all about, I'm going to say whatever, and then if it all hits the fan, I'm going to tap dance and try to blame somebody else, why not do that? There's no consequences. So it, it's, and and that's, we, what, what's the saying that uh, uh, to make the world safe for fools is to make a world full of fools. And, and if there are no consequences for bad actions, we're going to get a lot more bad actions. Bad actions are sometimes a lot easier to take than good actions. Well, you're quoting one of my favorite writers, Herbert Spencer, and we didn't have him as a thought this week, but we've used it in the past, and it's the ultimate result of shielding men from the effects of folly is to fill the world with fools. And the funny thing about it, that was in an essay on banking. You may not have wow. thought it was about banking, but it was, it was as his major contribution to monetary policy and monetary theory, uh, state tamperings with money in banks. And it's a great line. That's so interesting because I've long known that line, but I didn't realize it was connected with, with him talking about banking. Yeah, and he well, was dealing with the same the same kind of Ponzi schemes and protected monopoly markets. Well, I mean, that's what banks were. Uh, you know, they have charters and they have rules and they have to go to a, a central exchequer. You know, they have a, a clearinghouse, right. which would be the Bank of England in his day uh, in, in England. And so it was a very interesting uh, set of problems, which we still have today. We have a Federal Reserve. We haven't, you know, we haven't mastered this yet. Well, hey, I wanted to mention uh, Mondays and Tuesdays pieces and just mention them briefly. But I encourage people to go there to thisiscommonsense.org and read both of these pieces. They fit together, I think, very well. The first one is Thin Blue Nonsense. And it's about Mike Pence, former vice president. Uh, and I, who I credit with, you know, having done some, some things right, like not going along with his, with his boss, Mr. Trump on, on January 6th, but he's also said a lot of nonsense and he said nonsense when it came to, he, he basically was telling people don't attack the FBI, don't attack the rank and file people in the FBI, somehow blame others for what has gone wrong with the FBI. And and I'm not talking about the FBI uh, coming in and taking stuff from Mar-a-Lago. Let's let that play out and see whether in the end that turns out to be something very wrong or something right or something somewhere in between. I'm talking about the long history of the FBI. And look, look at what happened at the, you know, whatever you think of Donald Trump, you have to look at what the FBI did 
where they they're giving false information to a judge to get the warrant and to, to get the ability to wiretap a candidate running for president and then a president elect. And I mean, it, it, this is a, this is awfully serious stuff. And it just seems like, again, we're going to give them a pass. And, and Pence makes the point, you know, we're the law and order party. There is nothing pro law and order to turning the other way and refusing to look at the bad behavior of the FBI when they are committing illegal acts through partisan motivation. That is not law and order. And you have to condemn that or we lose everything because, you know, there's a lot of societies where they've got a lot of fancy things written in their constitution and so on. But whatever party just won the last election is going to do whatever they damn well please. And it scares the Dickens out of everybody else. And then somebody else wins and then somebody else is scared. We don't want an America where it matters which team you're on and who won the last election, whether you get your rights or not. And that's the FBI we have today. If you think about it, a lot of the stuff with Trump doesn't appear to have been, now it may have been at the highest levels, but it's also, we've seen the evidence that it was at much lower levels. Peter Strzok and, and I forget his girlfriend's name, uh, who I think was married to somebody else at the time, but what what's that to stop anybody? Um, they were not at the highest level of the FBI. Uh, and, and we've had again and again where we see cases of, at all levels of the FBI, bad behavior, political behavior, illegal behavior. And, uh, and then on Tuesday, just to, to make the point more fully, we have unjust investigation. And this is where the FBI asked a federal judge if they could go through the catalog, all these safe deposit boxes that had come into their possession. And so they did catalog them and they were ready to steal the contents too, as a, you know, this is civil forfeiture as a takings and they got stopped, became public and they got stopped. So thank goodness that they were stopped. But this is, you know, this is bad behavior upon bad behavior upon bad behavior. And Mike Pence isn't doing the FBI or the American people any favor by pretending that we can just say, hey, we're for law and order. So whatever somebody with a badge does, we're going to look the other way. Well, that leaves two pieces left. Did you want to spend hours on those two pieces? I did want to spend about five and a half hours on each, but I figured people may have a few other things to do. It is still summer. Uh, I want to talk just briefly to mention uh, just a board whose intentions are good. Boy, I love this title. This is your title, so I'm giving you full credit. It's a wonderful title. Just a board whose intentions are good. I want to sing the song, but I don't sing well. Uh, this is about the Disinformation Governance Board, which we've talked about before. Go read this piece. There's a link to our previous piece. This is where the Department of Homeland Security is going to set up what appears to be an official mouthpiece to attack different things people say. This is, it's all about propaganda. It is just so self-evidently 
a horrible idea that even the government got the message and decided to surrender and retreat. But as I point out at the end of this piece, don't for a second think that they've changed their spots. They'll be back and they'll be wanting to do the same sort of official disinformation and censorship and anti-free speech activity that it seems like people in government, uh, even in free societies, want to do again and again. Well, that leaves the seven percenters. The seven percenters. And this was fun just because I've always, every time I see one of these polls, you know the poll, only 14% of Americans approve of the job Congress is doing. And it's like, oh my goodness. And I'm always thinking, who are these 14% without uh, the, the slightest clue what's going on in this world? And you, because you figured, look, staffers and and political consultants and hacks and hangers on and psychophants and the uh, the politicians and their families they don't make up 14 percent or in this case this is a gallup poll where they asked it just slightly different they asked about confidence in government do you have a great deal of confidence in congress or do you have quite a lot or do you have some or none at all and if you take the two positive categories, quite a lot, or or what was the other, a great deal or quite a lot, only 7% of the people thought that about Congress, had either a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in Congress. And so we played, we had some fun, go read it, the seven percenters, we had a little bit of fun kind of... <laughs> marveling at the fact that there could be that many people who were that deluded. Um, but what's what's interesting about the, the bigger issue about this poll is that almost every institution, the police, the military, the teachers, the public schools, the uh, only 28% of Americans have a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in the public schools. The only two positive categories were small business, which was first, and the military. Those were the only two American institutions that had a majority saying, we're confident in you. The police fell below 50%, which they've almost always been well above 50%. Um, but the, the other thing about this and, it, and the media, the, the television news, I believe was 11%, right, right there with Congress newspapers, 16% have confidence, a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in newspapers. It's sad when you think about that, it's, it's tragic that, that every institution just about has no public support. But of course, the only thing that would be sadder is if they had public support, if they could behave in the manner that they behave and nobody has a clue to realize this is not right. And so it is scary to think that we live in a society in which major parts of the system can't be trusted, but they can't be trusted. And we have to do something about that. And I suggested when it comes to Congress term limits, 
and getting smaller districts where big money and special interests don't have as much pull. But we have to do something to reconnect representative government with actually representing us, or we're going to see all of these institutions and the American dream fade away. And on that note, we fade away. (laughs) 